Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grev, and welcome to another episode of the Rip Roaring Reds podcast. I am joined this evening by a very pink Jace. How are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Great, mate. House to myself. Wife is away for work. I can do whatever I want. It's been a brilliant evening. We're not naming any anything, right? We're just going to leave it at that. You can make whatever accusations or assumptions <laughs> you want, mate. Some you may be correct, some you may be wrong. Anything. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> you know, what you get up to in your own time, Jace, entirely up to you. Uh, well, that's good. I'm a bit jealous, to be honest, because I'm not. I don't have a free house. I don't have all those luxuries. And I got home from a long day in London, so I don't have your uh, your enthusiasm or vigour, I think. <laughs> Look, I'm mate, jealous. It's, uh, I think it doesn't happen very often, I'm taking it while I can get it. Usually it's the other way around. Usually it's me leaving her alone. So, That's uh, right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to have you with me. Um, we're going to have a relatively uh, a short-ish podcast. We're going to be talking about some of the news that's floating around, as well as talking a little bit about the season so far, the eight games we've already had. So let's whack on uh, that introduction music, and then we'll get straight into it. This, this is my club. Fucking love Right. Uh, we're going to start this episode like we always do. Uh, this episode, Jace, is entitled International News, and I think. That is probably where you're going to take your rip roaring review. So give it to me. What is your rip roaring review? You're just giving it away, mate. Internationals are dull as hell. No one wants to watch that rubbish, do they? Um, no, I, I'm pretty bored by the international break. I think it's really my main review. The football's not great. There's just nothing that excites me. I, I don't know why. I, I just don't get excited. Like the England game's on, well, the second half is on as we speak. I watched the first half and I'm, I, was, I was just bored. Like we play the same, like Stones and Maguire at centre back pick, but I think we talked about this before. Like, why the hell is Southgate still in the job when he's got that kind of quality of player? Like, he was good at the start, he's tailed off. He's like not, you know, someone, some people may say we haven't got any other centre backs, but I don't know. I just feel we should be doing something different. We've got Bellingham, we've got Foden, we've got Rashford, we've got Grealish, we've got all these amazing talent going forwards. Our defense is utterly like within a couple of minutes, we'd let a tap in. Like, literally, I don't know if, you, if you've watched the first half. I think I did see that goal. Yeah, I did see yeah. That goal. I was like, well, Stones and Maguire was nowhere near him. And, and and Rice is just like hands on his hips, like, what the bloody hell's going on? Um, he's used to playing with the, the two best centre backs in the Premier League. So, what do you expect? Well, to happen not far off. Duty? Yeah, not far, not far off. I mean, that, that's not that's not boasting either. Like, they are. Pretty decent, um, our, yeah. our defense, so yeah, going and play for England. The likes of Rice, Bellingham, Saka going to play for England is actually, I, I believe, a step down in, in quality. <laughs> um, I was going to say Kane as well at Bayern Munich, but I don't know, uh, don't know how good their defense is these days, Bayern Munich, but yeah, it's just a very, I just can't get into it. It's boring. I want the Arsenal back, um. My other hobbies and sports that I also had a 
break this weekend as well. There was no F1, so like this weekend's football was just like drowning in boredom. Actually, that's a lie. Uh, uh, I watched well, the Arsenal ladies. They won two one against Villa. That was on TV. That was because that was on BBC. Was that on BBC? Yeah, I was on BBC One. Yeah, because I watched a little bit of that as well. I saw the Arsenal one 0 down when I turned it on. They obviously came back into it. Came back and won it in injury time. It was like twelve minutes of injury time. It, it, I mean, it's good to see that like nationwide television, and it was at the Emirates again, right? And I think it was a yep. it was it wasn't a sellout, but it was close. Um, no, a lot of tickets sold. It was, I think it was like 30 to 40,000. I don't know. I'm, I, I didn't go. So at this time, I usually go. You know, I've got, well, wrong, wrong arm. There you go. Sure. There you go. Got my, yeah. got my, uh, got my, got Williamson on the, the back ba- of the, get the, badge the shirt. In. Get the badge in. Yeah. Get the badge in. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm wearing a pink Arsenal third kit from last year, but I've got the, the women's uh, Barclays League badge on the side and Williamson number six. England captain, only England captain to lift a trophy for however many years. Hurricane. Probably, like probably be a few more years as well. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm very into the women's game and I think, um, you know, we're, we're usually relatively strong and competitive and if we can get our players back fit, we should be in, a chance, in for a chance to win the league this year. But, um, yeah, the internationals, they are boring me. Um, they're just not as fun. I, I have a question for you about internationals. Were internationals more fun when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, my memories of international football always hark back to an age of being a child, but I think that it's still very tournament-centric. I think one of my earliest mm. memories, it may have been 98 when we played, when we got knocked out by Argentina. Um, and I just remember crying. Like I, so I, it was... I, I don't quite remember that because I was seven. Maybe. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna have to fact check myself because uh, I get in trouble a lot with doing this. That um, I get it wrong and then I get hammered by my friends that I'm uh, doing it all wrong. Uh, so I'm gonna have a quick check. But yeah, that was one of my fondest memories. But like I say, like I care about the internationals when it comes to uh, tournaments. Um, yeah, it was 1998. Thank you. I'm glad I actually remember something. My memory is so terrible. Um, if, you've, if you've watched the Beckham documentary on Netflix, you'd know. Okay, well, I haven't, so at least I can't hark back to that. That's but like, uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I need some train downloads, so I'll, I'll get that on the list. Um, I, I like tournaments. Obviously, tournaments bring like a special kind of atmosphere to the country in general, especially when we're doing well. Like, you know, look at the Euros when we were getting far in that. It just brings like a an enthusiasm, a, an excitement around the country, and it kind of does kind of osmosis around people, and that's really good. But just friendlies and qualifiers are just, they feel meaningless. I know that they do have, and that's why they introduced uh, the Nations League, right, to try and bring some stakes into international friendlies and international football. But it is, particularly now, when when Arsenal, when we want to watch Arsenal, and we want them, you know, we we, we kind of felt like it was like, that was such a big statement match against Man City that now we're, we're kind of basking, I suppose, in the glory of that match, but it would be good to maybe just strike while the iron's hot a little bit. And the next international breaks are luck another four weeks away, I think. Like, oh my God, we've just had two. Can we just have like, can we not just sack them off? Like, honestly, I've had enough. Yeah, I know what you mean. I found it so much more fun when I was a kid. Like, I, I agree, it was tournament football was the most exciting. But yeah, I remember when I was like probably 11, 12, 13. And I was football mad, and my parents had Sky Sports, and so I used to just—I used to watch Eurosport all the time because they always played the French matches, and that's all I watched. I didn't watch England, 
watch France. <laughs> so all I want to do like is Arsenal watch... fans of that age, though, right? Surely that's yeah. Just the it was like football. Will Tord, Vieira, Perez, Omri. Mm. Uh, then there was you know, like Seagan who got on the bench and whatever, and then Claude McAlay. But I love Zidane as well. Like I'm a big, big Zidane was outside of Arsenal. He's my my favorite ever football player. Um, he's my idol, and I had a French shirt with Koscielny. I had a French shirt with Zidane <laughs> on the back. So, like, I mean, I was I wasn't. I'm obviously English and supposed to support England, but definitely growing up, I had a very big. Je, je son, I think we're going to have to start calling you. Wow, oui, 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 oui. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, international football not as good as it used to be. Um, talk to me. Review. Where are you going with your review? Uh, I love the fact that we also said we're going to have a short one. It's eight minutes in and we've only not even got past our written review. Let's try harder. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, for me, uh, I've been thinking and pondering a lot. Obviously, it's been a while since we played. We played Man City. We beat them. Uh, I've been consuming content left, right and centre for that victory, re-watching the goal over and over and over again. And I've been consuming a lot of different podcasts and, and video kind of essays and reviews of, of the game. And in particular, a lot of people called out that we we won that game because Man City didn't have uh, Rodri, who who is an important player to them, and KDB. Um, and I kind of scoffed at it a little bit because we have we won that game without Saka. We won that game uh, with Martinelli on the bench. There are two starters as left and right wing. Um, and when we played them last year, obviously we didn't have Saliba, and I think he was such an important and integral part to us being able to go toe to toe with them. So I, I kind of don't. I don't really put much stock into the fact that they didn't have players and that we won that game because of that. We didn't have players either. And I think on the grand scheme of things, I think that that game showed such an immense level of maturity on both the team's side and Arteta's side. I think it really did show an amount of growth and maturity since the last time we played them, in the league at least. Um, and how how much more respected as a team we are now compared to the outfit that we were at this point last season. People would come to us and think they could play the way that Arsenal play, and they can't anymore. People, uh, they they sit, they low block. If, even City are doing it to us. If you looked at, they didn't have a shot from the 57th minute. I find that unbelievable. That's the first, there was a started red somewhere. I think it's like they haven't not had a, a shot on target in a game of that magnitude for 16 games or something like that. So yeah. it's, I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, you know, it just kind of shows how much of a well-respected outfit we are now. And I still believe that we won that game on our physical and mental grit, not because they dropped players. So I, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think um, you mentioned party was on the bench as well, right? And like I mm. believe really we missed Silly Ram Party last season. I still feel yeah. that they were always like the big misses um last year. And I think that you know the fact that we were able to play the way we did and you know didn't even hesitate to put Jorginho in, did he? You know, and he, he did he did really well. Um I was just looking at some of the stats. William Saliba, 100% of duels won, 97% passing accuracy. Oh. And he's not doing it. He's not doing that against like bottom half of the table either, right? He's doing that against yeah. the best in the world. Yeah. Why did they not have a shot in 57 minutes? There's a reason why. He yeah. knows how to play Haaland. Haaland can't play against Saliba. Um, because there was a was game two, last two games year against when... him, yeah, exactly the same way. I think he had zero XG in yeah. both games, right? 
Yeah, and we had a game against them last year where I think yeah, there was a game, there was a bit of Rob Oldham when, when Rob uh, when uh, Harland was having a bit of fun and Rob Holden was having a hard time. And then I think either was it did Saliba come off and Rob Holden had to come on, or was it the other way around? Either way, Harland just doesn't like um, Saliba. He's uh, clearly finding him very difficult as an opponent and. Um, I love it to see it. I love to see it. I think it's great that you can have someone that can go toe to toe with. Have you seen all the pictures going around of like it's like when he was in Liga and like Mbappe was in his pocket and now Haaland's in his yeah. pocket. It's like give him the Ballon d'Or now. Um, my favorite, my favorite picture. I, mean, I think I might have mentioned this last time. There's a picture of Gabriel and Saliba as two parents with a little baby in front of them, and the baby is Haaland. <laughs> I think that's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Uh, nice. Cool. Right. So, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Go on, we're going to move on from the review because we it's 13 minutes now. I love it though. Good content, Jace. Season um, review. Yeah, we're eight games in. Um, I'm interested on in a couple of points. So give me give me a snapshot of where you think we are currently now, eight games in, and how we've performed. And I'd like you to maybe call out uh a player that you think has surprised you as maybe under the radar or exceeded expectations, or maybe um kind of an unsung hero, let's say. Hmm. That's a hard one, actually. A really hard one. Let me answer the, there's two questions there. So first, season expectations and where we're at. I think we're on track. I think, you know, eight games in, we've not lost the game. Great. That's that's on track as far as I'm concerned. Uh, six games, one, two, drawn. I think I'd have rather it been seven games, one, one, drawn. I think that that would have been better. I think the one, the Spurs game doesn't bother me too much, the tool draw there. The one that bites at me is the Fulham game. I was at that. That was that was painful. Um, it was one of those days where we just didn't turn up. And it's one of those days where I, I, you know, I feel like I repeat myself all the time with this, but we didn't buy a backup for Saka. We just lack one additional creative attacking spark with pace. If we don't have Saka and Martinelli, our attack does not have the same energy. And um especially in a counter-attack. Obviously if you put Jesus down the middle, he's gonna be pressing like hell and that looks like it has energy. But what we're talking about is like wingers that counter-attack fast. And you look at Liverpool with uh with Gakpo, with with Diaz, with Salah. Like they've got they've got quite a depth um, and I feel for us, we rely on Martinelli and, and Saka, and I think we just need one more. Reese Nelson doesn't quite behave in that same manner when he comes on. He's good for goals, don't get me wrong, but uh, we just we miss someone there. And um, that that Fulham game for me was absolutely ripe for the picking. We needed we needed a player like that. Um, also, we were absolutely. Uh, we had a, we were still messing around with our defence. I don't know what we were doing at Fulham when we were messing around with the party at right back and the invert that he was trying to do, and then playing three at the back, and it it, it didn't work. And soon as Arteta went back to what we were wanting him to go back to, it was fine. So part of me, that's why I'm really annoyed about that one game in particular because I feel like it was just two points dropped. But apart from that, I can't complain about the the season review. Um, sorry, season. Well, yeah, season so season far. Season so far, yeah. Um, in answer to your question about who stands out, that it didn't come to light. 
I find that quite a difficult one because I want to say Saliba, but it's not like we didn't expect him to be good, right? Um, Gabrielle, I guess, is the other person that I would say is the big difference maker. Um, you know, Odegaard and Saka do not need me to sing their praises. Mm-hmm. Um, Saliba in defence doesn't really need me to sing his praises. I think we expected it. But the difference in our defensive game from the point we brought Gabriel back in validates why he is so underrated uh, by rival fans and other teams. Saliba gets all the press and the headlines, I think, because of his history, his move. I think the fact that he's a French centre-back at the age he's doing and putting in the performances he's doing is is just why he gets those plaudits. And don't get me wrong, like, he's... I think he's the best centre-back almost, almost the best centre-back in the league, bar Diaz, but City. Um, and I think he will be the best centre-back in the world uh, within the next couple of years, without a doubt. But Gabriel, his, no, he's, he's, like a, he's like the Matip to the Van Dijk, if that makes sense. Solid. You was kind decent. of looking second fiddle, aren't you, a little bit? But yeah, under, yeah. underrated for sure. But yeah, he's had a great season. He... He has again. Um, he's just been solid. Um, he's he's not afraid to get stuck in. He is defensively and positionally um, really effective. Like you know, even in the tactical analysis he shows, like with the Ganacho uh, offside against United. Um, what's Ganacho like that? Yeah, yeah I the, about the, that. the drop back. Yeah, the old uh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So I I think he's he's gone under the radar. He's had some amazing performances, defensively sound. He made us more solid. So yeah. How about you? Well, go on. There's two same two questions straight back at you. Um. So in terms of where we're at, I agree with you. Like you know, it's been a a really healthy start. Not losing. I think I, I looked back to try and figure out where we were in comparison to the first eight games of last season. We're we're one point worse off, and that's because we lost uh, to Man United um, in last season, which I think still hurts a little bit to this to this day because they they came and played a game plan against us and counterattacked us, and that's how we lost that game, and it was really disappointing. And I look back, like I say, both Fulham and and the Spurs draws were both avoidable on our part. They were failures on our part to sloppy passing from the back and sloppy defensive mistakes that we we shouldn't have done. Like I say, the, the Fulham game was maybe mistakes in the system because of the party experiment. The Tottenham, we just gifted them a goal literally as soon as we scored. If we hadn't have done that, we probably would have won that game. Um, and compared to last season, we'd only played Man United at this point last season. This season, we've played Spurs, we've played United, and we've played City. From those games, we've taken seven from nine. Um, you know, if you if you'd said that at the start of the season, you know, take those three games, you're going to get seven points from nine. You probably would have snapped your hand off. We all would have likely said we're probably drawing the game against City, and surprisingly, that's not the game that we drew. So that's you know, like you say, we're on track. Um, totally agree with that. Um, and I think a lot of people have looked. I don't think the flair and the vibes are as good as maybe they were last season. I think we were riding high on something else last season. Like maybe we just didn't expect it, or maybe we were just playing a bit more flamboyant football. I just I still call back to the games like Palace at the, the first game of the season, I think it was last year. And it was just like, did we win that game 4-0? I can't remember. We, we won it quite 
by by some margin. And it was Palace just... Palace game the first uh, first game of the season. Yeah, it was two 0 you know, but it felt it felt like you know we were just playing more. But like I said, I think I said earlier, like I think there's a level of maturity coming to our play right now. That I think you said this before, like maybe it's not about scoring as many goals and doing a Liverpool and knowing that we can outscore you because that's kind of what Liverpool did, right? We've actually just become much more tactically, defensively sound and much more kind of aware of the situation. We used to play into teams' hands a lot last season and have to try and dig ourselves out of a hole. Don't see us doing that as much this we're year. Clinical. We're clinical now. That's but we're not we're, we're not as clinical up top though, right? We're not scoring as many goals as we have. No, but that, I think what I mean by clinical is you are more defensively sound. You control the game more. That doesn't mean like if you think about last season, we were gun ho. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, that, uh, yeah, uh, you're, you're and, totally right there. The control is the right aspect. Yeah, so we were gung-ho, now we've been more controlled. It means our chances we're creating, because of that control and that defensiveness we put into play, there are fewer chances. There are fewer. We're not seeing as many aggressive counterattacks. We're not seeing that kind of energy that we saw. We're trying to be, as I say, we've said controlled. We're probably trying to reserve some of that energy. That means we are having fewer chances, but by being having fewer chances means you have to be more clinical at that point when they come. And yeah. that's where I, that's what I mean by clinical. Like I think we're having to be really decisive and and yeah, okay. have to take our chances. Definitely. Um, in terms of player, so I was thinking just as you were talking. Tomiyasu, uh, for me, um, has come in. And, I mean, he's not played a heap, like, but I think he is showing such a a difference maker when he came on, particularly against City. He is very versatile. He is certainly. I think we forgot how good he can be. There was a patch of games, either it was last season or maybe the season before, where. He was really, really good as an understudy and came in a, in a series of games when Ben White wasn't playing. And now he switched over to wing. Like, if you were telling me that Zinchenko's dropping out and Tommy Yasu's filling in, i got no worries. I'm like, cool, carry on. You know, if you saw a lineup and you saw that, like you were looking at this lineup against City and Jorginho was coming on, and you probably had your heart in your mouth. Because you're like, all right, we're ready for a pasting. Here we go. I don't feel that anymore with Tommy Asu, like maybe I, I would have and I, I do feel that he's uh, you know he's gonna be our new number nine by all accounts because he loves playing up front by by what he said in the interview. Um or at least he said he'll do whatever Arteta tells him to do. Um and I, I was gonna say like well it doesn't like you said you know Saka and Odegaard don't need the plaudits and um, Declan Rice is a is an absolute revelation and no one's talking about 105 million because it doesn't matter anymore. Like it's just no one cares. You know, we could Caicedo, yeah, Fernandez, yeah. Enzo Fernandez, uh, Mudrick. Everyone's talking about the fees. Everyone's talking about those fees because they're not delivering on the pitch. Declan Rice, this is what he was bought for. This is the pedestal that we're putting him on. This is the stage that he wanted. It really feels to me like he is. I know he was at such a long time at West Ham and he's a West Ham boy, it feels right. But you look at him now and it looks like he's never played anywhere else. It looks like he's Arsenal. And it's unreal to see. I, I, I'm so I'm in love. I'm in love with him, and I, I genuinely believe he's going to elevate us to another 
another level. And he's going to be here for, in his best years. That for me is like unreal. It's so important to us. I don't, I, like I said, he's not underrated. He's not under the radar. He's not an unsung hero because I think we all knew what we were buying him for. But when you see it, because I've not seen enough of him playing for West Ham, you just hear things. Mm. And, you know, unreal for me. I compared the transfer a little bit to when Paul Pogba re-signed for United, right? Like I think Paul Pogba was probably older than Rice was when he re-signed for United, but um, and had been more uh, accessible because of the Champions League and and Juventus League titles and things. And you know, you see him score those goals where he just hit it from the outside of his foot, well outside the box, and it curls in the corner. That one of the famous video, isn't there? Um, but I do compare it to that transfer, like in regards to the price, the fee, the expectation. For me, Pogba never delivered for United with that return on investment that I think that they thought they would get. Also, the club in itself, United, you can't compare the two situations in a way because United was an absolute mess as a club during that time. Lukaku, Ibrahimovic, I could list more, but I won't. Um, whereas we are obviously not in that position we are uh, almost the rebuild is pretty much done bar a couple of finishing touches um but no yeah like if you look at it like the the level of performance we're getting from rice consistently week in week out is it's just I, I, the word i like and it's not a big it's not a big word. It's not a. It's not a word that's going to blow your socks off. But it's just consistent. Like that's what I want from him as well. I just want consistency. Let's be like, in that position. Let's be honest. So that is. Yeah, that's what. You, that's it. Like things that's like what... solid, consistent. They're what you want in that position. You're yeah. not asking for flair. You're not asking for dynamite, like goal score. Like I don't know whatever you would call it. Like, but you're totally right. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, I really thought we were going to miss Granite. It's just natural replacement. And in ways, uh, I think, he, he, obviously, Rice has got more to give than Granite. Age, age is on his side. and But, like, just, we didn't, like, I, I was worried about the midfield hole this season. Genuinely, was with letting Granite go, I wanted to bring Rice in and keep Granite because I just felt that we needed party granite and then we needed to add one mm. um but i mean i've not had that fear so so far i mean and even with the party injury for three to four weeks as well right we've lost a month for thomas party and and he was playing really really well and i think you know that you know he came on and, and did a good job against city as well so i i don't feel like we are missing anyone because rice has done that absolute brilliant job Obviously, we'll see when the African Cup of Nations and the Asia Cup as well. I didn't realise that. Did you know that? It's not just I was watching one Cup earlier because they were talking about yeah, yeah. They were talking about Spurs and they were talking about another. Oh, um, they were because Basuma and Sarah are both going to the Afcon, and then I'm Son guessing means... they'll also lose Son to the Asia Cup as well. Yeah, and we're going to lose El Nene and Party and Tommy Asu. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. When I look, this is why when I read when I looked at that, I was like, "They're because the Spurs don't have any depth. They have a good eleven. They don't have a lot of depth. We have greater depth than they do." And you know, El Nenny's not a mess. Party, we've already seen we can do without for a period of games. I think one of the biggest things we didn't just talk about is that Rice is playing two roles. We went from a double pivot to the single pivot, like we didn't lose a, a step, we didn't drop a beat, like, and that's 
crazy to think because if you look at maybe Liverpool, for example, they've obviously continued with that experiment of Trent as their as their sixth, and it's not necessarily working. McAllister is not necessarily working in that position either. You can't necessarily replace the spine of a team and expect the same outcome and result. And I think we've actually just improved it. Like it's crazy. Yeah, we've just been slowly molding it, like growing yeah. it. Um yeah, yeah, he's he's right for you to, to call it out. I, I almost think that he doesn't deserve it's not he doesn't deserve plaudits, of course. All of us like team deserve plaudits, but like you don't want to give Saka and Odegaard plaudits, you don't want to give Saliba plaudits. Almost don't want to give Rice plaudits because I just have them in that those four players specifically are in just this top tier bar, right? Like a world class bracket. Aren't yeah, they? they're just, just in they're just it. in this bar where it's just like expected. And then it's like who else underneath those four is gonna is gonna is gonna turn it on and and impress us and um yeah because those those four are just I mean they are they are the spine they are the spine yeah all right well like you you talked about this bar at the top I'm gonna go on to a topic we're gonna talk about maybe some rungs or bars below uh, mm. this segment is called Emil Smith Tunes so uh, Arsenal stalwart Emil Smith Rowe has been linked with a January move uh, to the Magpies um, for a rumoured £50 million. He's, uh, well, I, I did a rough segue over from your point of bars. Like he is, at a time for Arsenal, he was uh, a shining light and a beacon for us. I think in a time when we had some torrid um, matches, I think he was coming through the ranks when that, that period of the Arsenal documentary and when Arsenal were dropping off and uh, he decided to start a lot of the youngsters and Emil Smith really broke through the team and was delivering some extortionate performances um, and that, that whole thing, partnership with Saka was really coming through, but that has certainly gone off the boil um, so my question, Jace would you take 50 million quid from Newcastle for Emil Smith Rowe? I've had a discussion on here before about my affection for Smith Rowe. But I'm I'm going through some personal development at the moment, right? And it's helping me understand where my child behaviour is and where my adult behaviour is more effectively. The child in me wants Smith Rowe to stay. There is a love, an attachment, uh, an affection. But the adult decision in my head, the, the feasible and sensible decision is... 50 to 55 million pound we're gonna have to meet our fair play regulations uh financial fair play regulations we we have already identified people that we i'm sure need to continue to bring in we're going to probably talk about the number nine situation and the strike situation i've mentioned i'd love a sack backup you could probably add in one midfielder at some point and then he's going to have to go so when you consider all of those factors, you consider David Raya. We didn't buy him because of financial fair play. We loaned him, buying him next year. Uh, we have to take the money for Emil Smith-Rowe. And the reason I say that is because we have Fabio Vieira, who has turned it on. He has turned it on this season when he's been given the chance um, he plays in Smith Rowe's position, whether it be the attacking left or he can play on the attacking right in regards to those two, cent- like the central attacking central midfield positions, you know, the Odegaard or the Habits role. Habits, we bought him for 65 million. We're not dropping him anytime soon. Martinelli plays left. If he doesn't, if he's not fit, Trossard's playing left. You've got Saka on the right, and then you've got Saka and then you Nelson or want to back up. 
I don't see anywhere in this squad for Emil Smith Rowe no more. And I love him. And I think we, I want him just to be given minutes and, and, and given the time. But he's not been fit enough to be in this change over the last year. He did, I mean, we were going, not, yeah, we were questioning last year, why are we not seeing Emil Smith Rowe? Because he, he'd recovered from his, he'd had the surgery, he'd had the time out, he was recovered. He was playing games for the for the under 21s he was he was you know fit but he was sometimes he wasn't even making the bench and we were like well something's wrong something's not right and I think that is still the case like you know the only times we've seen him he's been given like a couple of minutes here and there and it's like well he's not going to get the chance to to prove himself you know to to to, to be able to do anything in that time and I, I just feel like it's not it's not going to happen for him um, very hard for me to say that, but yeah, adult head, money on the table. Uh, put the put. You know, I've just painted the picture in the story, so yeah. Take the money I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with there. you. I think uh, very uh, adult of you, Jason. I hate it. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think that I think the affinity. I, I kind of. Uh, make him somewhat akin to like Jack Wilshire. Yeah. There was a, you know, he's such a, it feels like he's, he's Arsenal. He's obviously a hail comes through the Academy, you know, played with us through difficult times and really did shine at his best. Um, it kind of feels like he had more feeling to, to grow into and necessarily hasn't. And maybe that's through opportunity. Maybe it's through the injury that have maybe stopped him from achieving uh, that. I do think that maybe, he hasn't trained well or he's not shining in, in, in sessions and, and really showing Arteta that he is either because our system is maturing at a relatively accelerated rate. Mm. Like, and, and like we've talked about marginal gains from Arteta and the ruthlessness of, of him as a coach. Um, I think that he is maybe just being put to the sword in some of those things. And that is, you know, 50 millions on the table. Not that I think Newcastle necessarily have the money. And I think they're being much more coy in FFP because of their attachment to the Saudis. I think that there's Chelsea don't care. Chelsea do Chelsea, Chelsea, they're just spending money and throwing money around like anybody's business without a care in the world. I think Newcastle being much more um, pragmatic and smart about how they're spending their money. I think we talked about that before. Um, but if he was going to go anywhere, that's the kind of club that, you know, I think, I don't think it's going to bite us um, mm. if he goes to Newcastle. I don't. I, I think it's in, in, in an English club, the Champions League club. He's going to do well there. Um, the only thing that I'm thinking of is that we are abhorrently awful at selling players. Um, if we manage to sell him for 50 million, it'll be a record transfer fee for Arsenal, which is crazy to think about it. Like 50 million, like that's actually. I'm trying to think of the maths in my head. Um, like another 10 mil plus more than our best sell, which I think was either... A Roby, 45 mil. Yeah, was it, was it 45? I think so. Actually. You're having a laugh, Jace. Um, I was thinking, uh, well, a Woby, Oxlade was like 35. What was Balogun? Balogun was obviously recent. He was something like late 30s, wasn't he? 35, something like that. So yeah. like, we're, we're just not a good selling club. Oh, I, I lie. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know why I said that. 35 million pounds, 35 million. That's, that's what I say. Our ceiling seems to be 35. Like nothing, even Balogun. When we were talking at the start of the preseason, Balogun should be going for 50 plus. 
the amount of goals he scored, the ceiling he's got, the record, yada, 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 35. Like, yeah. So, you know, if 50 million actually materialises, we'd be silly not to take it because we can easily reinvest it in other areas of our squad that definitely need work. Um, and like you say, we've got enough players that are playing in the same position as ESR would. I, I wouldn't necessarily fully agree with you that Fabio has set the world alight. I think in his impact subs towards the first few games of the season was certainly better than his uh, starting berth, particularly against, was it Lons? Oh, the Lons, yeah, he wasn't great on Lons. But then yeah. no one was great against Lons. No, maybe that was a bit of a hangover game. I don't know why, but yeah, you're probably right. Um, well, that leads me on. Um, you, you mentioned it already. 50 million might go a long way solving this question and i put the question it's that the, the topic is the number nine question because i think some of us think we know the answer to this question but i'm wondering if it's actually a problem is it a problem that we need to solve so that's my first question to you is, is the number nine position something that you feel jace that we need reinvestment in or would you repurpose it somewhere else well the number nine question, I almost want to change the question. Go on. Because like, it's not about the number nine for me. It's not the profile of the attacker that plays through the middle, regardless of whether they're a number nine or a 10 or I guess well, maybe not a 10. Because I guess, is, are we saying Odegaard's a 10? Yeah, Odegaard's a 10. Fine, then we are saying number nine. But we need a, we need a big, tall, strong, we, we don't have a Haaland. We have a Gabby Jesus like profile, which is great, and sometimes that is exactly what we need. Um, someone who is aggressive and pressing. We have a fox in the box, Eddie Nketiah. He won't take chances really on the edge. He's uh, very much a, a tap-in, head winner header um, kind of striker. And what we actually need is an absolute unit who will just destroy everybody. And we all know who that is. There's no one else that fits the profile. Like, you know, you're, uh, you're going to list off some stats in a minute and, and look at the profile player and, and, and it doesn't fit what we need. So we need Ivan Tony. Premier League proven, tall, strong. We saw him give Saliba a hell of a game last year. Um, the only nightmares. Yeah, exactly. It was one of the only strikers that was able to to actually really challenge Saliba. Like we need that profile player. And really we need him because at least because we're at that point now where we, we don't we can't there's a gamble for me with strikers at the moment. I always feel bringing a striker in from another league is a bit risky. Like, like it didn't used to be when we were a certain calibre of team. When we were... When we brought Aubameyang in from Dortmund, that wasn't risky. Lacazette, I don't think was risky. You know, he didn't maybe score as many goals as we wanted, but he were... He, 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 I believe he complimented with other things, his physicality and his, his back to goal. He was a great, great striker. Just, you know, he needed to be supported with 
with other players around him and Arsenal didn't have that kind of calibre at the moment in time. Giroud, proven, again, no, incredibly underrated, uh, in my opinion. Um, but the, the, those were not gambles. They didn't, they didn't break the bank. You know, the, the market wasn't inflamed. Olivier Giroud cost like £12 million. Uh, Aubameyang was £50 million. But like a striker these days, we're talking 80, 100, 120. We're talking ridiculous amounts of money now to bring in a calibre of striker. The problem is that we're now at a point in the league where we have to bring in, if we're going to bring a striker in, just because we're in that position in the league, we're going to be getting charged it's 70, be a premium. Yeah, 70 million plus just because of where we are in the league. So, you know, I, I don't want to be bringing in but I don't, Rasmus Hoyland, I'm, you know, I, I think he he might become very good for United. Um, gamble, massive gamble. Though. It was a, but it, gamble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for them, it was a massive gamble. I actually think he, he has looked quite good. And so I will eat my words, I said originally. But at the same time, Arsenal can't take that kind of gamble. We can't take that kind of gamble because we've already made the major investments in our squad and we need the final pieces, which we... Oh, not almost, almost provide guaranteed success, if that makes sense. I also don't think we need to. Like you say, we don't need to take that gamble necessarily. I think Man United had a separate problem where they had nothing, yeah, striker wise to, to go for. We, we have options. It's not like we are, you know, shopping around the Aldi and Lidl trying to figure out what we can buy. Yeah, we, 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 we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, 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 yeah. It's, it's when you, you know, you know, when you, you want a luxury, you don't need it. So you want your time and you you, you pick the We're gonna wait to see really, what Waitrose really gives us, right? Yeah. We're wait and see what we you know what the avocados and the sourdough toast is gonna be. Yeah. So I, I think Ivan Tony at the moment is the only answer. And if 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 we don't want to sign him because of I mean that's not what we're hearing, let's be honest. I mean we're hearing things like this done the deals are already kind of been discussed. I mean I, 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 I do think that. a lot of that is agent agent based. And a lot of it did stem from his interview on diary of a CEO and his affinity to Arsenal. I think it did spur on some of the background chatter that is happening around this transfer. I certainly don't believe it's to be as done as people think it either is or could be. Yeah. I mean you you might be right there. Either way we He's the only person at the moment I take. Uh, I'm, I'm Ferguson. If he he these consistency end of the season, uh, then maybe at the end of the year we look at him. I don't. I like Ollie, but he he's too close to the Jesus and, and his age profile is probably Ed, not quite Eddie, right as well. Yeah, like I mean, obviously, I, uh, yeah, I I, I I have not. I don't know Ollie personally, but I he's he's through family friend connections. Uh, I know he's an, an Arsenal fan. He's just signed a contract with Villa, right? So there's no way we're going for Ollie Watkins, even though it was mentioned we would, because he's mm-hmm. Aston Villa would charge a premium because he's just signed a five year five year. Well, that might have been why they did they did do it. Yeah, there, right? of, course, yeah. of course, of course it was. It was to get the transfer over the line. I've transferred yeah. the, the contract over the line. So. Yeah, I, Ivan Tony for me, only option on the table. But have you got an alternative you would like to suggest? I mean, I, I'm not suggesting it. I think I, I, I'm with you, right? Tony is the target. I don't necessarily think we need to go 
balls in in January to go and uh, grab him and get him into the club. I, I would maybe see where we're at at that stage of the season and see if it's a worthwhile thing to to do. What if we're still unbeaten at Christmas? Yes, I, I don't know. Like I say, I'd like to probably answer that question closer to the time. I I, I still think that we might assess our options in the summer. Oh, I'm gonna here. You go. I'm gonna push you here. Hypothetically, at Christmas time, we have. Drawn a few more games, but won every other, won everything else. We've not lost a game. We are top of the league. Few points clear of a couple of teams. Very similar position to last year. Do you one? You know, Jay. I want to. I want to. Do you? Do you? No, 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 no. Do you one? Play out the same as we did last year. Don't buy the players we need, and gamble with the squad and get you to the end of the line. Or do you two? Go learn a lesson from last year. Let's make some investments and let's go for a league title. Yeah, I definitely think we need to make investments. Whether or not I think it's the nine, I'm still unsure. I still think that actually that money is better spent on a Saka replacement. However, I would say there's not a lot of options in that position for us to kind of look at that are uh, either a good understudy or like there's no one at his level, first of all. No one's at his level. I mean, there are, but you're paying 150, 200 million for some of those Who? type of players. Who are you buying? For Saka. For a placement yeah, for I mean, Saka. there's backup. There's not. There's not. There's not. And anybody, you know, even your Foden or your Grealish, who are, I still don't think they're as good. They're not the profile um, either. No. So, like I say, I, 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 yeah, I think Tony, the, the other option I was looking at, and this is all the chatter has been about um, Ossiman because of the issues that you've been having at Napoli with the social media as well as, and so uh, interestingly, I kind of, I don't know a, a heap about him, but I, I'd start to obviously look at a lot of the statistical analysis behind him. His kind of non-penalty XG is like incredible. Um, top 1% strikers in the world for, for, for non-penalty XG for shots in total. Now, granted, I think you'd said this, that he obviously plays in a league that is not as uh, aggressive, physical, uh at played at a pace uh the same as the premier league it's a different ball game altogether so like you're saying you are running a risk and having a gamble um when you are t- signing players from france from italy from spain to go into the premier league and the, the most interesting thing to me about um uh Osimen as well is his profile so you look at like player comparisons he's compared to well firstly eddie and ketia who already plays for us. Florent Balogun, who already played for us. He's similar to Ollie Watkins. He's similar to Morata, similar to Callum Wilson. Those are not player profiles that I'm keen on looking at having someone replace. Yeah, so, I, I, I agree. I was just looking at his stats. So 20, 20 21, 10 goals, 24 games, 21, 22 27 games, 14 goals. This is in Serie A only, by the way. Mm-hmm. 22, 23 last year, 32 games, 26 goals. This this season, eight games, six goals. He is tracking a good trajectory. That curve is going, or that line is going upwards in regards of goals. And it's more than a goal season. every other game, right? Which is, uh, you know, incredible returns for most strikers. Yeah, so he's in that league. Um so, uh, you know, if you were saying, like, if you compare him to, like, the Rasmus Hoyland, like, uh, like yeah, obviously, Ozzyman is is 
feels and looks like he's got more potential. Um, he doesn't seem as much as a gamble, but I don't really want a player of his profile. Um, but the, the other question I have is, when does profile matter as well? So, like, Mbappe, in theory, his contract runs out at the end of this year. He can leave on a free. You know, I, I, I know that he'll go to Real Madrid, right? But but if if he had to come to the Premier League, could we get him? Would you take him? Because does he fit well, our this, well, I think like Arteta really does care about the profile. It's, it, it does feel to me that the statistical and the data and the scouting reports behind it, if they can't fit into the system, doesn't matter. So then the answer is Ivan Tony. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that. I was just trying to give you a, you know, a difference of opinion, Jace. I don't want to. Both of us just go. Ivan Tony's the answer and move on. I think well, there's one player that got. There's one player that got away. Currently plays in black and white up north. I think I'm, I'm lost. Well, we almost went in for him, and then we tried to buy. Uh, uh, the guy from Fiorentina, Bilnic, uh, Bilnic. oh, Blahovic, sorry, yeah, Blahovic. We tried to buy Blahovic, but before that, we were going in for Isaac, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, and I think, I think he's the one who's starting birth at Newcastle, but like, but is, the he, is he the right profile? Well, just because he's a tall, strong. That's what I want to see. I want to see an absolute unit it can it can give defenders. I think Ivan Tony is more of a, a, a unit that that can challenge defenders than him but i think he's an alternative he's the only other player i can think of that has that kind of profile and he's he's premier league proven now as well he's been pretty yeah. good all right let's uh let's move on from the number nine i think both of us uh are on i'm more on the fence but uh ivan tony seems to be the answer to the number nine question um We've done a, a half an hour podcast that has now lasted 50 minutes, Jay. So let's try and wrap these things up. What have you got for me in the parking lot? Uh, well, Chelsea um, Chelsea preview weekend. Who's well, Chelsea on Saturday? Is it Saturday on uh, Chelsea? We'll have a little look now. <laughs> this is probably really should be prepared. I know, I know. Uh, so Saturday afternoon, it's a, well, uh, yeah, who, who's playing? Arsenal. Um, it's like when you're coming, you know, me and one of me and Jason's favorite stories is when you're coming back from the tube and you're wearing your Arsenal kit, you're on the tube, someone will always stop you and go, Oh, what was the score, lads? So me and Jason always forget in the moment and we really want to say, What well, was there a game on? Um, always forget every single time. I'm gonna make sure we do it next time. Um uh, 5 30 kickoff on Saturday afternoon, Jace. Uh Chelsea versus Arsenal. So who's gonna start for me? Uh, I would say it's pretty much the same as what it was against City. I don't think Jorginho, I think Havertz comes back in. I think there's only because it's Chelsea. Well, because it's Chelsea. And I think there is like, you know, if you're going to go and do it, and bearing in mind, last two games that he started, he scored and he assisted. He didn't start, sorry, against Man City. But last two games he scored and assisted. Okay. I don't think we start him against Chelsea. No? I don't... Uh, he, I think he's got something to prove. I got. I think he's got something to prove. Oh, but I don't think he's that kind of player. Actually, that's really funny. It's really interesting you say that because I, I was listening to another podcast that did talk a little bit about his character and about his, and they talked about how introverted he is and how yeah. uh, he's shy and how 
Um, he's not that type. Of, they said he's not that type of player. And it's like you always think of these, you know, athletes, Premier athletes, elite sportsmen being really egotistical and really kind of self-absorbed and really exuberant and really kind of like in people's faces. And it's just interesting when you hear little stories that are, they're not quite what you, you think. So maybe you're right. I'd love that if I was any good at any sport. If I was given the opportunity to go and prove something to a place where you used to be, you know, like it's like an ex-girlfriend or like uh, uh, when you go to a different place of work when you've left and you just want to prove I'm I'm, I'm better off without you kind of thing. I, I just really think that that would be such a such a stage to do it on. Like a proper open play goal from Havertz would be great. So for any ex-girlfriend to Grubbs listening. Yeah, I'm much better off without you. <laughs> we talked a lot about our psyches tonight, Jace. You've got your your young adult and your kid brain. I've got my bitterness towards all my ex partners. You know what a great life we have. So have it starts front free because it's Saka. I think he'll Saka. Be back. What's ha- you think he's going to be back? I think he'll be back. I think it's straight into Saka Jesus. Yeah, straight into Saka. Yeah, it's Saka. Like. Any opportunity Arteta's got to drive that kid into the ground, he's going to take it. Saka is starting. Well, he was running around on the Tuesday as soon as he got sent back in England. It was just uh, he faked it. He went to he got because yeah. they, they, uh, they, they uh, it, he still had to go to court because he'd been put in the squad. Yeah. He still had to go to Saint was it Saint George's Park and be assessed mm-hmm. by the England medical squad, who then sent him straight back home. And so, just mad at it. Why? What a waste of time. Yeah. Let the guy go on holiday. <laughs> what, do you think he's not starting then? I think he, said, he, might, he might be on the bench. We've not heard anything. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait for our test press conference, really, at the coming towards the end of the week. So it'll be, what, it'll be a Thursday press conference? Friday, Friday I think. Just to say like, where he's at with his recovery, because yeah. the club won't release it before then. And they may not, you know what Arteta's like. He's quite coy anyway, so yeah. he probably, he probably won't even. We probably won't even know to the line hiding, hiding in those Colney photos somewhere. Yeah, always the the Arsenal social media team just have an absolute locked all that stuff down whenever they have someone like Thomas Partey was like that when he was like not coming back and then comes back. Yeah. So yeah, I. Uh... I I, I think Saka's the question. Apart from the new lineup predictions, I kind of agree. Maybe I would like to see Habits not play and Rice and Party back in the midfield. Is there any other change? Bear in mind, if you do Jorginho as well, Jorginho's maybe got a score to settle too. So, you know. We said we wouldn't buy any old Chelsea. I know. Just a lot of <laughs> conveyor belt of him at the moment. I'll yeah. take Mudrick when he's, when he's done his failure and we can bring him back up. <laughs> I said 20 million right now. Saka replacement, twenty million Chelsea right now. I thought we were originally going to do a swap for ESR and uh, Mudrick. Would you take that? I guess so because Mudrick in theory fills a hole. Play Saka, right? Yeah, yeah, it fills a role, a winger that we we need. But I, I mean, I Chelsea seems to have hopes for him. That's what I was reading. Yeah, they think yeah. he's. A I just don't want to sell to like a, a rival, but like they're not really a rival, so. Um, I mean, Chelsea, like Newcastle last year, we were like their rival. This year, like I don't know, in the league, they've not been doing that amazing. Obviously, Champions oh. League, they they beat PSG, but then they didn't do amazing in Milan. So I'm not sure about Newcastle, whether they're a rival or not. Um, Chelsea, 
but always a rival because they're another big club in big and in London in London yeah but I mean yeah last few years they've not really been anywhere anywhere near us tables have right James before I wrap up then uh just give me a score prediction what are you thinking uh three one Arsenal three one Arsenal Wow, uh, I never expected Jason doing anything different. I'm going to go two 0 Arsenal. Oh, clean sheet. Uh, yeah. Well, you know we've done a few now on the bounce, uh, so why not let the good times roll? Yeah, do it. Right. Uh, thank you then very much uh, for joining us, uh, Jace. Going to whack this on YouTube for those on YouTube. What should those individuals be doing? Give us a like, share a comment, ask us a question. We'll be uh, we'll be waiting to answer in the next podcast. Yeah, and uh, for those on Spotify, please do give us those five star reviews. I've checked, still five stars on Spotify, five stars on Apple Podcasts as well, which I'm pretty happy about. So keep those up. I've also got, as luck would have it, uh, a new in outro music. So me and Jason are going to say goodbye, and then we're going to play that. So thanks for joining us, and hope to see you uh, at the end of the week for our Chelsea podcast. Cheers, guys. Take care.